Hey everyone, Chuck Underwood here, and welcome to the brand new Vegan Podcast. Hey everybody, what's up? This is Chuck, and welcome to brand new Vegan Podcast episode number seven. I thought today I would take a little bit of time and, and not talk about anything specific, protein or fat. I, I've got two episodes of fat I've been trying to put together, and it's just, yeah, it's kind of hard. I, I'm not an expert on proteins or fats. I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a registered dietitian. I'm not a doctor. Just so you all know that who I am is just a regular guy who's trying to do the best he can to get healthy. And so I thought I'd take today and just a little introduction. Who is Chuck Underwood? Why are you brand new vegan? How did that whole thing start? And uh, that that's really the one thing I know the most about. Like you, I, I hear what I hear on the internet from the doctors on what fat is good, and what fat is bad, and a low carb and a high carb. And I'm just as confused as the rest of you. I try to sort it all out. And uh, like I said, we're all doing the best we can. But the one thing I do know is why I'm here, how I got started, and why I think this is important. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. Hope I don't bore you. So I was born and raised in the Midwest. I'm an Indiana boy. I'm a Hoosier. And I was raised corn-fed and steak and lots of chicken and gravy and beef Manhattans and steak and shake and white castles and my very first job was burger chef so yeah I didn't eat that great when I was growing up biscuits and gravy and all the good fatty yummy stuff that we all pretty much grew up and loved my mom was a southern gal she was from Kentucky and got everything had to be deep fried in like three inches of either Crisco or bacon grease or something and her fried potatoes would be so shiny. I, I'd bat at them with paper towels for an hour just to try to get some of the grease off. And sadly, she's not around anymore either. Is there a connection? I don't know. She died of dementia. But um, yeah, not the healthiest upbringing. Had no clue. Diet was important back then. Didn't care. I was young kid, just like the rest of us. What's, what's food got to do with anything, right? Moved on to Texas when I was 20. Lived there five years and got introduced to the fine art of barbecue. Love good barbecue. Still do. Just have to be careful what I barbecue now. It's not beef anymore. It's mushrooms or, uh, as in the last recipe, jackfruit or something. Anyway, yeah, barbecue, chili. That's where my Texas chili recipe came from. Great Texas food. Tex-Mex, oh my gosh, so good. And then from there... I moved on to Albuquerque, and I lived there 10 years. And New Mexico is is magical place. And their food, again, I'm a foodie. I love good food. New Mexican food is just amazing. The, the chilies, the red, the green, oh, so, so good. And I ate a ton of New Mexican food when I lived there. Love the burritos. I used to go to work and get breakfast burrito. It would be scrambled eggs, hash browns onions. Um, what else did I have in there? I think it had sausage in there too, or bacon or both and uh, tons of cheddar cheese. Then they would wrap it up and just smother it in either red or green chili sauce. 
and it was so hot, so spicy. And, you know, we used to make jokes over that breakfast burrito that it stuck to you all day because you'd be burping it up for the rest of the day. But, oh, it was so good. Love that stuff. Anyway, from uh, Albuquerque, I moved up here to Oregon where I'm at now. And I've been here almost 20 years. Oregon doesn't really have a style of food, I don't think. Not like the Midwestern folks did or the Southwestern folks did. You, you got your seafood, and I am not a seafood guy. Never have been. My idea of seafood is a piece of white plain fish that's deep fried till you can't taste anything and then a lot of tartar sauce. That's what I grew up with in Indiana. Now, I did love Dungeness crab, which is Pacific Northwest thing. That I could handle or shrimp. But again, I had to have a ton of tartar sauce or cocktail sauce or something to dip it in. But that's how I grew up eating, just like the rest of you. Bad, fatty, fast foods, processed foods. You know, my idea of going grocery shopping when I was a young man was going to the store and getting a pound of hamburger and a can of manwich. You know, I love my sloppy joes. I got two or three different recipes on my website. Yeah, I sloppy joes, some um, onion buns or whatever, and jarred cheese whiz. I know, nasty. But you know, we didn't know any better back then. So why am I? Why am I here? Why am I brand new vegan now? Well, you can imagine. Years caught up with me <laughs> when I when I turned forty, and I'm fifty five by the way. When I'm turned forty, yeah, things started to change on my body. Let's just say the belly started becoming a lot more prominent. The eyesight, the hearing, you know, the old age stuff. And if you're not forty or fifty, like I know many of us are, if you're not, it's it's common. <laughs> good good luck with that. But it, it started worrying me a lot. And then, of course, the doctor's appointment and getting the cholesterol numbers are going up. And, hey, you're, you're dangerously close to being pre-diabetic. And, hey, you're overweight. And, you know, we don't want to have to put you on this pill or this pill. And that kind of scared me a little bit. So I, I started watching documentaries back then. This is like 2008. So Supersize Me, that was one of my first Food Matters, Processed People. That's how I got introduced to Dr. McDougall and uh, Jeff Novick. What else? Food Inc. It's all about, you know, big food, the industry of food. And they opened my eyes to a lot of stuff I had no clue about. So I got some books and uh, let's see, what were some of my first books? John Robbins, big influence when I was, you know, getting into this. Diet for a New America, Food Revolution. If you've never heard of John Robbins, you really need to look him up. I'll put some links in the show notes. John Robbins is amazing. So think Robbins as in Baskin Robbins. That would have been his empire, but he turned it down. He was the only son, and his, his father and his uncle, Bert Baskins, who started Baskin Robbins, you know, he was going to be the one to take over the family business. But his uncle Bert died of a heart attack, like really young. All that ice cream. Mm-hmm. There's been uh, there's some really good interviews with John on YouTube. You should watch them. He explains his whole family upbringing with the ice cream-shaped swimming pool and ice cream for breakfast and all that good stuff. I guess the guys from Ben & Jerry's have a similar story. So, yeah. Anyway, John Robbins for books. Got some of the early Dr. McDougall books. Of course, Happy Herbivore. Lindsay Nixon, she was kind of just starting out at the time. I think I got one of her cookbooks. 
Skinny Bitch. Yeah, that was a that was a fun book. If you don't like foul language, you might want to avoid that one. But it, it opened my eyes. All these little things just started piecing together, and I was getting the picture. Was I 100% into it? No, but I was learning. And, and that's kind of what that whole time frame was about, was me learning this whole other side of food that I never thought of before and how it affected your health. And then something happened to my wife. She started complaining of headaches. This was about 2010, I think. And uh, and nothing would really help ease her headaches. And we took her to a doctor. And for some weird reason, fate, whatever, there was a new nurse practitioner in that day from the person she normally saw. And she said, let's do an MRI. And I thought it was the craziest thing I'd ever heard of. Why? What are you going to find with an MRI? Like brain tumor or something. Yeah, she had a brain tumor. It was huge. If, I don't think I'll gross you out. I'll put a picture of how big the thing was in the show notes. It was uh, scared the crap out of me and her. She had surgery. She's fine, by the way. No worries. Everything turned out. But for a period of time of like a month or two, I was an absolute wreck. She was in a hospital two weeks straight. One week of that, she was completely out in a drug-induced coma so they could keep the pressure on her head. Basically, cut her head open and saw it into her brain and lovely stuff like that. The surgery itself was like 14 hours long. It took two teams of doctors and, and nurses to operate on her back and forth so they could take breaks and you know the worst day of my life so when that was all said and done and like i said she's flying now you couldn't tell anything that ever happened she yells at me more maybe i don't know anyway with what i already knew about the diet i just started thinking did we do this i mean her diet wasn't any better than mine growing up she was born and raised here in the pacific northwest but still did we do this to ourselves can a healthy diet make sure that this stupid brain tumor never comes back again? And so I really got on her and myself about doing this a lot more seriously, put it that way. That that really changed things for me. I had a goal. I had a crystal clear focus. I do not want my wife to ever have to go through that again. I don't want to go through that again. So that that's that's kind of where it was starting. That was about 2010, 2011. And then 2013, something else kind of interesting happened to me. I went to work one night and it was kind of odd that, you know, I worked night shift. I work in a semiconductor industry, you know, TI, Intel, places like that. I worked in the fab, had to put on a bunny suit, the whole get up. And I, I was a maintenance repair guy. You know, the machines that make the wafers, that make the computer chips, when they broke, I would go in there and fix them. Try to, anyway. Um, got to work one night, and my supervisor was at the front door waiting for us. That, that, that's not a good sign. In fact, all of the doors, there weren't that many, two or three doors that employees could come through. There was a supervisor at each door waiting for us. And that was really not a good sign. HR was there. This is like 7.30 at night. 
know, they go home at four, four thirty, five, maybe. HR is never there at night. They were there waiting for us. And we knew something bad was about to happen. And they made it sound positive. Basically, what was happening was my company was going to merge with another company. Our Northwest company was going to merge with a Carolina company and become a whole new, different company. Why? So my conductor's bad times. They were trying to consolidate, save the companies. We were, we were going downhill, and we could all, all of us employees, we could kind of see the handwriting on the wall. It wasn't looking good. And uh, so anyway, we merged. That was the announcement. And here was the catch. I obviously don't need all of you because we just doubled our employee base overnight. So we're going to need some of you to quit. Like half of you. And this was every shift. 50% of our entire workforce here at the Northwest Company was going to quit or get laid off or get fired. And that was, that was pretty scary because at that time I was, you know, approaching my fifties and you get upwards forties, fifties in age, you start going into the job market, looking for a job, competing with all these young 20, 30 somethings. Yeah. You you don't really stand a chance unless you're really, really good at what you do. And you're so, you know, focused on your job, whatever that industry might be. And, And for me, yeah, I, I had some hope that maybe if something happened, I could find a company. There's there's quite a few semiconductor companies in this area, but still, it was a scary thought. And I thought, what in the world am I going to do? Now, I had already retired once during all of this time that I've covered. About 1999, I got so sick of my industry, I just, I, I cashed in. As I didn't tell at the time, they were offering incentives to retire early or to quit. And I took it, took some cash, took my 401k, started up my own little computer store, my own personal business, and um, loved it. Got to talk to lots of people, got to meet new people, got to help people with their computer problems. And it was service-oriented, and that's kind of what I am. I'm a service-oriented kind of guy. I like helping people. And um, But yeah, then the recession hit in 2008. That wasn't so good. And I uh, had to let a lot of that go. But the whole time I was in that computer store, I always felt not worried because if anything ever happened, which obviously it did, recession hit and I had to close, but I always had the semiconductor industry to fall back on. Well, here I am in the semiconductor industry years later, and I don't have anything to fall back on anymore. And I thought, what on earth am I going to do if I get laid off? Then I started thinking about what I had been learning with my books, my documentaries, The Planet-Based Diet, Dr. McDougall. So I started looking at food blogs. And, you know, Pinch of Yum came up, and there's Minimalist Baker and all these guys. And I started just doing a little bit of homework and researching, and it was a long shot. Could I actually do something like this? But I'd already been developing my own recipes, right? I had a few. I've blogged before, you know, it's more of a personal blog, but I, I kind of knew that whole business of it. So I started thinking, would it be possible to start, create a blog 
based on what I was learning from the plant-based diet gurus and docs and putting my recipes out there that I had been developing, kind of like Pinch of Yum or those other food bloggers, and actually find a way to make a living with it. I mean, yeah, I knew it was a long shot, but other people were doing it. And, you know, the idea here wasn't to try and get rich or anything like that. The idea was to find a way to share my knowledge of what I've been learning with other people because I'm service-oriented. I I love to do that kind of thing. I, I was in Rotary Club even when I was in my computer store because, you know, service above self, that's what we're taught. I wanted a way to share what I was learning because I think people would find value from it and share the food that I was eating for brand new people. Like, okay, I'm going to start this diet. What do I eat? Oh, here's this Chuck guy. Here's what he eats. So I think it would have been helpful. And at the same time, put it in, in a package where I could make enough money to survive. And I think that's all any of us really want is just to be comfortable. So I made up my mind and came home from work one morning and told my wife. And you can imagine how that went. Yeah, here's a 50-something-year-old guy who's about ready to get laid off, and I come home and say, Honey, I got all of our problems solved. I'm going to start a vegan food blog. Yeah, you can insert the are you crazy look right here, and then some awkward silence, crickets, stuff like that. She laughed. My friends laughed. They, they're, are you nuts? What is wrong with you? You, you? you don't know anything about vegan. What vegan? Why? Why do you want to be vegan for? That's that's ridiculous. And you don't know anything about blogging. You're too old to blog. You're too old to be on YouTube. I heard all of it. Family, friends, it didn't matter. Nobody believed in me. But I believed in the diet enough from what I had read and the results I had seen in myself so far I mean, I lost quite a bit of weight right off the bat. When I was in my computer store, oh, good Lord, I had a pub next door, the best cheeseburgers and french fries ever, and I ate there every day. I could go to the phone and call our local sub shop, and I would get a a BPS on, on, on wheat with a cup of chili on the side, and they say, oh, oh, hi, Chuck. I mean, they knew me by my order. A BPS was a business person special. Basically, you get a cup of soup or chili and a half a sandwich and a drink, and it was like five bucks or something. But I, they knew me just by what I ordered. That's how, that's how bad I was. I, I would eat out every single day. It was a computer store. I couldn't leave the shop. I was always working. Yeah, so I, I, I was pretty big when I left. Um, 220-something pounds, I think, worth of big. And for me, that's big anyway. Initially, just getting on my Dougal diet, I was down to well under 200, 180s, I think. And uh, it was just amazing. So I I believed in the diet. I believed in, I shouldn't say diet, the way of eating, the lifestyle. And of course, and I've said this many times before, if you do this for your health, you're going to eventually swing over and see the environmental side, the animal rights side. You can't help it. And it's the same thing if you're vegan to start for the animals. You care less about your health. You're eating all the vegan junk food. Yeah, it's not about me. It's about the animals. I'm saving animals. 
eventually you're going to swing over and see the health side. And it may take you making a little trip to the hospital for something or another. I don't know. But, you know, eventually we're all going to meet in the middle. We're all going to be vegan for the animals, vegan for our planet, and plant-based for our health. I, I just don't see it not happening. That's kind of how the whole thing got put together. I started brand new vegan that, that very week. I got the domain name. And it was rough. I mean, I still had a job. I did not get laid off. I did not have to um, quit. Enough people did. I didn't have to worry about it. That was in 2013. And I started brand new vegan. And it was slow. I mean, you know, I would get two or three visitors a day. And, ooh, I got 10 visitors today. And it was so exciting. But then it was a day in, I think it was 2014, I think it was close to Christmas. I was laying on a couch and I got this app on my phone and I was uh, looking to see how many people were on my site, you know, all 10 of them or 15 of them. And there was like 80 or 90 or a hundred. It was just, it was crazy. I thought the stupid app was broken. My phone was broke. What's going on? No, I had my first viral recipe, those, those French fries. And from there, it's just been a roller coaster ride. Those, those same people that were laughing at me, they still laugh, but, not so much anymore. And then, of course, last June 2017, I was able to quit completely and completely retire from the semiconductor industry, get off a night shift. I sleep like a normal person again, which is, hallelujah, great. The blog is self-sustaining. I'm not going to ever get rich with it. That's not the goal. The goal is to do something that I like to do, that I'm passionate about, and knowing that I'm helping people means the world to me. And as long as I can make enough to stay at home, do the work that I like to do and help people, I'm a happy camper. So that's kind of my story. Like I said, health-wise, me and the wife, no issues. Of course, we still have family members all around us who kind of laugh at the vegan thing, and they do have health issues. Will they ever listen? I don't know. You, you do what you can. Try to be the best example you can. And uh, I just keep pushing forward. That's all I can do. So that's my story. Hope it's been entertaining. At least now you know who I am. And you know where I'm from and what I used to eat. Which was probably a lot of the same food you used to eat. And now I'm brand new vegan. And what you see on the website is the exact same foods that I eat every single night. So hope you enjoy them. Love the comments. Keep them coming. And until next week... This is Chuck Underwood, and you've been listening to the brand new Vegan Podcast.